0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Stand up, it's time to fight. It's Wednesday night. Rewind the dynamite, your fighting spirit and your might leap and take flight sky high luchasaurus high scream cheer rejoice and sing hear the bell ring what will tonight? show bring everyone is listening to post wrestling with john paul again waiting they've got the fuse if you've got the light hit the switch on tnt and rewind the dynamite
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a late night edition of Rewind to Dynamite. I'm John Pollock, along with Mister Waiting.
0: How are you, Way? I'm doing very well here. This is a twelve thirty a.m. start for us—a bit, a lot later than usual—and so this will be of. You know what? As we speak right now, it is Christmas Eve. Happy Christmas! Oh, Eve. Merry Christmas, Way! Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed your Tibbs Eve, John. My what? Tibbs Eve. T I B B S. It is uh, something I learned today from our good friend uh, Robert Brocky, the postmaster. Apparently, Tibbs Eve is something they celebrate in Newfoundland and Labrador. It is oh. December 23rd. And it is essentially, as he tells me, like the time. the the day before your family period where you go out with your friends and you just get drunk. Like Tibbs (laughs) Eve is like, you know, your, your night with friends and then Christmas Eve and Christmas are your family days.
1: Well, I hope Tibbs Eve is not being
0: celebrated. Although I
1: I don't know really what the situation is like in Newfoundland. So
0: no, not much of a Tibbs Eve this year. I believe. No. Okay. You can always get drunk on Skype and zoom. I assume. So
1: is is it a is an intentional play on words that Tibbs Eve would mean that you
0: probably will be tipsy? I don't think they intended for that, but uh you know I'm sure that joke's been been made. Apparently it is named after a character from a seventeenth century play named Saint Tib. You did some deep dive research into this. I I typed Tibbs Eve into Google and clicked on the first result, yes.
1: Well, happy Tibbs Eve, happy Christmas Eve. Uh Merry Christmas if you're listening to this later. Right off the top, uh most of you listening to this, uh if it's Christmas Eve, it means that the Post Wrestling Christmas show is either just about to drop or it's already there. And if it's already there, you can go look at what is in store for Post Wrestling listeners over the Christmas break. We have This is always a a very fun show to do. It's a uh, quite a lot of uh extra work for us
0: but enjoyable extra work i would say i think so and and the knowledge that like the audience enjoys it it, it we definitely spend a lot more time you know with with the show and with our guests uh but by the end of it i it's always an incredibly rewarding experience and to, and to know that so many people at this point kind of rely on it as sort of a part of their tradition for christmas eve and christmas uh that just that that is just a, an honor so um enjoy everybody and let us know what you think
1: yes uh we we hope uh we encourage uh a- any feedback to the show uh it's always great to hear hopefully everyone enjoys the show we like putting it on and being a small part of your holiday if it is uh something you are checking out so uh that's up there and then way and i are going to be off on friday uh, but we will come back saturday uh with a quick rewind to smackdown for our post wrestling cafe members going through the episode of smackdown that is airing on christmas night so that's our schedule over the next couple of days lots of uh lots of listening for you in the meantime between this the christmas show and and the news update from uh, earlier in the day oh my goodness multiple times that we have already spoken today yes we have a 20 minute news update going through the raw ratings the updated lineup for wrestle kingdom and chatting about spoilers well, yeah, we did not reveal the spoilers for SmackDown. No, we just but. talked about spoilers in general of whether we feel spoilers being out will help or hinder SmackDown.
0: I say help. A, philo- a philosophical uh, conversation about spoilers. Correct.
1: Yeah. Last question: What is your Christmas Eve, Christmas Day planning? Are you staying in? Are you are you doing anything? Over I bought
0: a TV. This? Oh. Okay. Yeah, so I moved into a new house and I guess with that comes a new wall and a new TV to get. So I waited for Boxing Day, Day sales to, to arrive. So I'm going to get my TV, probably set that up, and maybe even launch a bit of Wonder Woman on Christmas. We, oh, okay. Do we get that well, in Canada? Like, are we going to get that in, via HBO?
1: Oh, you know what? I don't know if we do. Um, I don't know if the Canadian version up here is is going to get it or not, but I'm sure that's a a Google search that will answer your question. That's, I, I,
0: I don't know. To be honest, I hope for your sake, it does. Well, I feel like somehow, some way it'll probably end up on a, on a TV set. Uh, somewhere. Oh, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine way. I think it'll stream on Crave. Wait. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Right. Following the theatrical release. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't, I shouldn't be doing this right now. This should be a short podcast.
1: We are going to try our best. We we said we would keep this to a brief show tonight. Let's see how well we do. Uh, this was a taped edition of Dynamite uh, from last week. They'll be back live next Wednesday. And off the top was Chris Jericho and MJF taking on top flight, Darius and Dante Martin. And I am, oh okay, I didn't even mean to uh, walk into this one, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I am very high on top flight.
0: Okay. Yeah. Hard to. I not.
1: I think this team is. Uh, I I think like there the potential is, <laughs> the potential is limitless. Oh man, the sky is the limit for top flight. <laughs> My God, it's like I did not even uh, plan for any of those. I, I I just enjoy this team so much. They were in there with uh, two great opponents that I think just made them shine as well. I just thought this was a great opening match, and these two, I I just think that they are tremendous pickup by AEW, and my God, where these guys will be in two years, uh, much less five years, it's going to be qu- quite an interesting project to watch in AEW, given th- the skill set that they're at now.
0: Earlier in the day, you know, you and I had talked about, uh, oh, it's interesting that they didn't put the Bucks match to start off with on uh, uh, off of the NBA game. Uh, by the way, they started at about um ten o five, so about five minutes past past ten. Anyway, um, but it's like you watch a match like this, and I think top flight are a perfect substitute for a buck style of match, which is exactly I think what they delivered here. And plus, you of course you have you know the name value of a, somebody like Chris Jericho. So I thought watching this match, it 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 worked excellently. Coming off of, you know, an NBA game with hopefully uh, a, a bit more of a mainstream audience that you don't typically have watching Dynamite. They're a pair of excellent acrobatic wrestlers. And I just continue to be impressed at how confident and smooth they look. Sharing the ring here, you know, with the top of the industry, like the likes of the Bucks and now Jericho and MJF. Like so much, so good that it makes you wonder how this team wasn't signed earlier and like what other talent out there exists. That are this ready? How? What do the DMs look like for the young bucks? Unusable now, completely unusable. You gotta like, if you want to catch their attention, I imagine you'd have to like send stale mail with like s- glitter on the envelope. You know, the, these guys.
1: And... These guys. I mean, they they slid in there, and they. I guess they they got checked on, and God knows what other talent might be just uh in the, in the inbox unread, but um. Yeah, the, the, I'm glad you brought up that like the smoothness because that's what stands out to me. Like sometimes you can see young talent that they can do so many spectacular things, but it's almost like you can see them th- like they're they're thinking as they're processing what's going to be going next and getting in position. And it can be that, you know, just the natural evolution that you're going to be kind of in this mechanical way of going about things before you get that flow down. And sometimes that can take years uh, to do that because especially these intricate matches that have a lot of complicated spots to them it's you know your brain's processing what's next and what's after that but these guys like i just think they're the flow is one thing that stands out the most to me about them like they their age is just it's very deceptive because they come across as guys that have been doing this a lot longer than
0: they have agreed like um they're almost like they're like a pair of ricochets like if ricochet had cloned himself and became his own tag team partner they might be top flight and i think this is also our first look at mjf and jericho as a team for the first time right have they teamed together before i think they've
1: done a tag match on tv but this was like like a like a like just the two of them or as part of a larger tandem well they did the the big tag last week uh but just the two of them um yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go back and look.
0: Regardless, is that it, if if they have, it's this is probably like if not the first, the second. It's still incredibly novel, and I I still like I love them together. You know, they like if if, if I guess you know a uh, top fighter, a pair of a pair of like clones. Um, I kind of like I was amazed at how similar in style and how good of a fit MJF and Jericho are together. Like mm-hmm. they are much more of a slower, methodical kind of old school type of tag team. Uh, and his heels, that's, of course, that's perfect, you know, relying a whole lot on personality, being great at just feeding this type of high-flying baby face. So a really good contrast, I thought. That powerbomb-lion-salt combo they hit
1: on on Darius, 50-year-old lion-salt. It's incredible. Uh, there was an inside cradle by Darius for a two, and then a blind tag to Dante, uh, which he then flips onto MJF on the floor. And then Dante counters, hits a double DDT. Jericho is uh, tossed into the timekeeper's table. Jake Hager, who's in the corner, then nails Darius. And this leads to the finish where MJF hits the Heat Seeker in 11 minutes and 44 seconds. A really good match with with the four. And to me, Top Flight was, I I would say by the end of this show, yes, we had uh, a really entertaining main event as well. But my biggest impression coming out of this show was Top Flight. That's what I was thinking about at the end.
0: This is my match of the night.
1: Yeah, they they did a really great job um, w- with this. So, and probably like you would imagine, one of one of the if not the biggest quarter. Like it, depending on how big that NBA game is, so it could have been quite a lot of eyes on at least the beginning of this match.
0: I would think so. At ten o'clock, yeah.
1: Jake Hager says that since they had the ultimatum two weeks ago, everyone has done their job in the inner circle except Wardlow. He's away on family business, Hager, I do my job, and he announces that he has cleared it, that he will face Wardlow next week, and MJF is very concerned about this, and we've got the, the inner circle fighting. Yes.
0: Yes, you know, it continues sort of like a rhythm of, like, push-pull with the inner circle. You think they're on the same page one week, and then there's always something pulling them apart the next. And it's captivating. This this feud in particular has been kind of brewing in the background, like literally just through glances in the background for like over over a month now. And so by the time that they've gotten to this match, I'm quite excited for it. You know, it's um, it, it all it required was like you know a small promo from Hager here, and then the official announcement of the match. And I have a whole week to anticipate it. It's an, another good thing I thought about this segment. They left you something to look forward to.
1: One thing that you know is the. We always talk about how loaded this roster is. Like, there, there's too many people on this roster for this two-hour show. You do have Dark in there, but primarily it's Dynamite. The benefit of that is the fact that we don't get the same people wrestling every single week and in all the combinations. And, like, when they announced this, it's like, Wardlow, like, here's someone that we haven't seen wrestling in quite a while. And it's like, he, he gets this kind of a showcase next week. And it's, it feels like it's not the biggest thing that's going to happen next week, but Wardlow wrestling, it's something that hasn't happened in a while. And there's another guy who's, when we have seen him go long, has shown incredible potential. So it makes some of these performers, when you can build it up properly, it feels like a bit of a big deal when they, when they can have a focused match rather than Wardlow and Hager had been wrestling every single week on TV for the last eight weeks
0: yeah and then like you know maybe in the middle like before commercial they they do some sort of weird count-up finish and then they restart the match um and then it, man i'm just that new day her business feud is the complete opposite of something like this but like you know that template that they've set for wardlow making him feel special i mean they they've done that at the same time with jake hager so you have a meeting now of two maybe not not so often used men in their singles uh in singles matches and I'm it's one I'm looking forward to
1: The acclaimed put out a music video ahead of tonight's main event entitled Buck Hunt This included them mocking the young bucks for quitting
0: Twitter kissing Dave's ass for a star rating I liked what I heard certainly better than like the freestyle we heard tonight I I I wish they played a bit more of this it was catchy
1: I would have loved a uh, Frankie Kazarian video, but what was even better was the segment we got from Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. Did you see this on Dark on Tuesday?
0: You know, I heard about it on Shot in the Dark, and I did not see it. Uh, why don't you let us know?
1: So, Britt Baker's been doing her interview segment on Dark, the waiting room, and on this one, it was it, it was very much kind of like the, the Rockers deal, right down to being here on the you know the the interview set, and it's kazarian just running down daniels like for all of our losses as scu it's been you that has been the one that has lost you got hurt and scorpio sky had to step in for us to become tag champions last week i know you got hit by the boombox, but you lost and he's saying i'm not saying this because uh like he's he's trying to say this As his best friend. I was the best man at your wedding. I know how you love this industry. But I take everything seriously in this industry. I've made my living for 22 years. I put food on my children's table from this industry. And you. And he's. It's basically showing him tough love. To try and get Daniels out of this. And Daniels says. You know what? You're right. Because this has turned into a job for me. And I. Have turned into hating this, where I hate having to get onto a plane and come here. And just saying like he's going through like this really difficult period of his career. And he goes to leave. Kazarian stops him and says, I know that you're a fighter. And there's one way to do this. It's that when the pressure is on, you come through. And what they're gonna do is the the Ric Flair story, where the next time that the two of them lose together, the team is done forever.
0: It sounded incredibly compelling, even via recap. And and um, you know, it's it sounded, a
1: great segment. It was the two were tremendous together.
0: At this point in their careers, like you really have to wonder how many more you know title chase storylines you really want to see with SCU and Chris Daniels, even like with Scorpio Sky in particular. They've already won the belt. I don't. I'm not that excited to, for them to see to see it again. So at this point, you have to wonder what's really next. And I think there's still so much story to be told with Chris Daniels as sort of the aging veteran at the end of his career. And, you know, like this Ric Flair story. Exactly. But now I think, you know, to me, at least it's it, it, it seems pretty apparent that somebody's going to be turning heel. And I think it'll probably be Kaz, who I think on BTE has been really breaking out. He's, I mean, he's always been breakout. I think he's been incredibly underrated, like, for a long, long time. I'd love to see him go singles. And turn heel. Tony
1: Schiavone welcomes Sting. To the ring. He notes Darby Allen. Out in the rafters. And Sting is asked why he's here. And he he talks about the memories. Of being around Dusty Rhodes. And I am not going to even try. But Sting. You can add his name to the list. Of people who can do a hell of a Dusty.
0: It was good. I was surprised. It was pretty damn
1: good. I thought thought he really nailed it. Uh, He talked about how Dusty suggested putting color on my face, color on my boots. I want you to glow in the dark, which I'm (laughs) sure was verbatim the line that Dusty gave to Sting. And he would put him with Ric Flair, which he did at the first clash. And he said that it's Dusty's influence that, Made him want to be involved here with AEW because of what they're going on and Cody being here. And then he goes to address Darby. But before he can, Team Taz interrupts. Taz runs down Tony, calling him a jabroni, introducing him as a sting. I'm sick of that shit. We see a shot of Darby in the, in the crowd and he leaves. And Ricky Starks starts cutting a promo saying they're going to stick their nose in their business or... Sting needs to stop sticking his nose in their business or else he's going to get hurt playing in the jungle. The lights go out. And when they appear, Darby is in the ring, which I like the fact that they showed him leaving instead of us left with the idea that he teleported from the rafters into the ring.
0: No, he's not a teleporter. He we're we're not seen to he doesn't have any sort of special powers other than, I guess, surviving um, crazy falls and like jackass like stunts. But he is still very much human, who just who can run really fast.
1: I can take him jumping off a bridge, but not just teleporting from uh, the other side of Daly's place. So I, I like the fact that they actually showed him leaving. He wasn't burnt, uh, lit on fire in the segment? No, he was not. He was not. Although we would have a Fiend-like segment later. Uh, and they state that in two weeks' time, January 6th, it will be Darby Allen, Brian Cage for the TNT Championship. Brian doesn't want to wait, but... Uh hey, Brian, we need uh we're going against New Year's Evil, so you're gonna wait two weeks for this title match.
0: This uh, you know, Sting big promo segment I think was a few weeks coming. You know, last week I think was when they really started to overstay their welcome with just the kind of like mysterious walkouts with baseball bat and very little substance. I like in this segment that they gave you a little bit. They gave you Sting talking about why he showed up here. He, you know, talked about Dusty and just Wanted to be involved seeing his son start a new company. But they did not tell you everything. They're still maintaining a bit of mystery about what Sting wants to do with Darby Allen. So, uh, it's giving you at least a little bit, but still keeping you wanting to come back for more. MJF walks into a room where Santana and Ortiz are alone.
1: Uh, MJF acknowledges the cameraman, bringing him in. And he tells Santana... I know that you lost someone close. And this was, you know, Santana, why he was away recently, was uh, his stepfather passed away unexpectedly. And he says that he lost his grandfather due to cancer, and I'm here for you. And Santana stands up, and you're not sure how he's going to react. They end up shaking hands and hugging, and Santana tells him, keep your head up. Always keep your head up. And he walks off, and Ortiz also shakes his hand as the camera
0: stays on MJF. What a interesting scene this was. Camera stays on MJF who wipes tears away. From his eyes. It was definitely interesting. You know the way this started off. With MJF like talking to the cameraman. Bringing him into the room. And you know the type of character MJF is. You saw his tweet about. You know his grandfather's passing. Very genuine. Very heartfelt. That, that long tweet. But it ended of course with you know. A bit of heel shtick. So they were doing this. And I thought. Are they really going to go where I think they're going to go with this? It's one thing for, I guess, MJF to, like, tweet about something like that in character. But it's another to do it on Dynamite. And it's another to bring Santana into it. But then, like, the swerve was that he stayed completely serious. You know, he was incredibly heartfelt in talk talking to Santana, talking about his own grandfather. And then at the end, like, even wiping tears away from his eyes. Obviously, because it's MJF, you have to wonder what the ulterior motive is behind it all. But at least, like, tonight, it seemed like, it was genuine yeah yeah i was
1: i was glad they didn't go the the direction of like like some smirk on his face or something at the end of it i was glad they kind of just left it like this i thought it was like a really uh powerful scene that they had here what do you think the purpose of this though was i think in the end you will like this to me is the audience even like even people that would see this story for what it is would have to admit that that was a really genuine moment from mjf certainly he can't be insincere here where in the end um you know this will we will come back to this moment and look at this as this was a guy who was doing this for some ulterior motive and not being genuine
0: hmm, interesting yeah
1: i think it'll pay off down the road mm-hmm. where it'll be man you you all roped us in with such a heartfelt scene and you were totally insincere it seems i think it has more impact that way that you'll you'll look back and remember this scene instead of just instantly uh
0: letting everyone in on the fact this is mjf just being mjf again it's that constant push pull of like tension within mjf in the inner circle you know some weeks he's they all hate him and then other weeks they seem to get closer than ever and this seems to be a way for MJF and at least. Santana. This brings Santana and Ortiz into
1: like these were the two that are most suspicious of him. Santana now, liked him,
0: I believe. I think it was Ortiz guess it, and Sammy. But yeah.
1: Uh well, how did they explain? Because it when, when Santana was away that week, they had that was during the ultimatum where gosh. Maybe I, they I had turned remember. on
0: him by then. I don't know. But but this you could see Santana and MJF getting closer as a result mm-hmm. of this.
1: Yeah, Ortiz was the one who said you you're you're growing on me like a fungus, but you're growing on me. Right. So, anyway, this would be, you know, this is our like first scene of like Santana really kind of uh bonding with MJF. Mhm. After that, it was Colt Cabana 5 and 10 against the Jurassic Express. Jim Ross wanted uh an explanation for the numbers, so Exc- Excalibur explained what they represented. And luchasaurus dumps marco on top of 10 we saw it like several or many uh double team spots okay he
0: dumped marco on top of 10 and then marco just clutched onto his neck and then rolled into the ramp and just like i it at least looked concerning to me did did you notice
1: I, i didn't notice that but he did he did come back i mean he was heavily involved throughout all of this but i don't doubt like landing on a individual like that that's not a soft landing
0: yeah, he did finish the match, but at least, like, you know, momentarily, it looked a little scary. Mm. Uh,.
1: Marco would dive off Luchasaurus's shoulders and then 10 nails Stunt from the floor. Luchasaurus sends Cabana into the post. There's a Spinebuster and Frog Splash combination by 10 and 5 onto Stunt with Jungle Boy making the save. And the closing sequence sees Luchasaurus lift up Marco's Stunt and military press him to the floor. Which, man, I feel a worse now for Marco here if he had, in fact, uh, had a rough landing earlier. Um, so... Cabana and Ten are down on the floor, and then we get the double team with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Where Five is flipped by Luchasaurus into a sit-out power bomb by Jungle
0: Boy in ten minutes and twenty-seven seconds. Jurassic Express wins. There was a lot in this match. There was a lot, but I—I I mean, I enjoyed it. I—you I, know, admittedly, I was a little distracted just kind of like watching stunt, and he seemed to be okay for the rest of the match. But I—I um, I thought it was a fun match.
1: It's a, it was a Jurassic Express match where, I mean, you're, you're just going to get, like, nonstop action, but it's all, like, pretty entertaining for 10 minutes. Tony Schiavone was in the ring, and Jurassic Express gets interrupted by FTR and Tully Blanchard. Tully calls them the 2020 Tag Team of the Year and <laughs> refers to them as Jurassic Park, and they're going to have a match on January the 6th. It's now personal. We're on a quest to regain the tag titles And we're not going to have dinosaurs take us down a notch. Best line of the show. And then Tully isolates Marco's stunt, and he threatens to have a flashback to the 80s if he gets his hands on him. Dude, Tully Blanchard just swinging for the fences and hitting a home run on this final promo uh, of the year, probably, for Tully. That
0: line at the end, like, what an awesome threat for an old man to deliver. I may have a flashback to the '80s. Oh, this guy is just what a
1: what a great talker. I'm just I'm so glad he is attached with FTR.
0: He sounded absolutely great here. Certainly, much better use of Tully we've seen this year with FTR than you know him with Sean Spears. And I guess we'll talk a bit more about Sean Spears later on. But you know, it's interesting with Jurassic Express. I would say now that the year's over, hasn't exactly been a year of growth for them. Like a year ago, I would I feel like they were hotter, like certainly coming like the start of Dynamite when like all those Luchasaurus chants were uh, very evident. Obviously, you can't get them now, but just see like we're not seeing them on screen as much. They're not involved in any sort of storylines. They're not certainly not getting wins. I don't know if 2020 was a very good year for them. I don't think it was much of that was due to the pandemic, of course. But they're always ready, I think, for that big storyline and push. Um, I think they should win this program. You know, like, Bucks have already faced hmm. FTR. So I kind of want to see Jurassic Express get that upset victory.
1: Yeah, like, I, I think they've got Jungle Boy. Like, he is poised for when they are ready to go with him. Like, he's kind of in a... just in that background position. But this is going to be the continual balancing act that they have to hold, where there there's going to be acts like this and performers that fall into the background and are not going to be featured every week. And it's trying to keep... You know, have them pop up every now and then, but, you know, that you risk that. Like, for one, we talk about, well, they're not having Wardlow wrestle every week. It feels kind of special. And then a Jurassic Express, it's like, well, they're on less than they were in the past. It's, it's going to be such a difficult juggling act when you have so many, many people that you're trying to feature and – You
0: can't feature everyone. Like, I don't disagree with you. There's a difference between, I think, you know, being kept away but still having a presence on TV so that you're reminded of who this person is and, in fact, you want to see them wrestle more and not being seen or featured at all. And I kind of feel like Jurassic Express have kind of fallen more into the latter category.
1: Alex Marvez caught up with Kenny Omega and Don Callis at the hotel. They've all got their masks on. And this was a first because Alex Marvez did the whole interview with his mask on Callis and Omega did take them
0: off, but, um, so now I, I guess the context was that they're outside of the venue. And they, they were at the, hotel the they,
1: they said they were at the, at the host hotel, the right. Team hotel.
0: Yes. So out, out of the bubble, I guess you can call it.
1: Callis says, this is our personal time. This is actually kind of creepy that you're here. Doesn't understand how Tony Khan can allow the wrestlers to run a in AEW. And Pack is able to make this match with Phoenix, Omega goes over the times that he has beaten Phoenix, where he's choked, and he couldn't continue in the Eliminator Tournament. So now he might put Phoenix out for good, and then Phoenix can always call up Conan. I'm sure AAA will take you back.
0: You get hurt, I get titles. Uh, I enjoyed this little segment. You know, if you watch this and you watch like what they did on Impact, it was certainly the meter of the two segments. I think... Something as small as this, they're really nice little ways to unify the two shows, and we did not get any sort of impact, uh, open challenge, you know, no no run-ins today on this taped episode of Dynamite. We shall see if we get anything in the next couple weeks, but um, it at least, like, you know, these, these interviews with Don and Kenny at least make you feel like the story is somewhat progressing, again, without really giving too much away. I l- still think it's novel to hear, like, Kenny Omega talk about other companies so openly. You know, maybe AAA will take you back. (laughs) Maybe Conan will take you back. I've got friends in Impact Wrestling that might take you if we drive you out of AEW. Like, I I still find it very novel to hear those lines.
1: The Butcher versus Pack. Eddie Kingston was on commentary. Just ripping on Tony Schiavone. He's trying to get in a promo read. Kingston's cutting him off. Tony's telling him, shut up while I'm reading this. Phoenix... They explain is off training, so he is not in the corner of pack. Uh, Pentagon is out there. Butcher got the heat, stomping away at pack. They just tried to exp- uh, showcase the size disparity. Bunny and Blade are getting into Pentas face as pack is getting overpowered. And then Pac kicks out of the corner, but again, he is repeatedly stomped down. They go through a break. Pack fires back with all these vicious leg kicks, goes to the chest, hits a spin kick, a super kick, then a missile drop kick. He climbs up for the black arrow, but Blade distracts Penta on the floor. This causes Pack to be distracted. Butcher fires back, and we get uh, a huge powerbomb by Butcher and a near fall, and then he gets pissed off with Bryce Remsburg. And then we had this... Pause. where Butcher is just kind of holding on to pack. Eddie Kingston is yelling at him, hurry up, more urgency, more urgency. And he gets up from the broadcast area. He's yelling at him. Butcher is literally just holding this guy's head. And it seemed like there was some delay because he was waiting for the archer run in uh, to come out. This is it. Like Butcher was literally just like he's on pause. Yeah, it was like I was playing two K twenty or something.
0: I was gonna say like it was as if you were playing a video game on easy mode, where like <laughs> the sprite just kind of stands there waiting for you to like do moves to him. I don't know what was going on here. Maybe yeah, it was just a case of like him missing a cue from Archer or something, or Archer missing the cue. But this was also a tape show, so you couldn't have edited that or like sped that up. It was super weird. Like it was, it was longer than like
1: the story they were telling of Eddie Kingston wanting him to get. Like he was literally just like frozen there. Like this was not like he was being lazy or he was showboating. Like he was just like waiting for something to happen, and the something was Lance Archer running out. It was a very awkward uh, part of this match. Uh, Pack is then able to lay out Butcher as Eddie Kingston hides behind the announcers from Archer, and then as Pack has made his comeback he hits the black arrow and wins in 11 minutes and 48 seconds.
0: The match itself. I mean, you know, yeah, we'll, we we kind of like are, are joking about this weird thing at the end, but I would say the match itself for an AEW match, like the action was a whole lot slower. So I know butcher, like probably, I don't know. It might be intentionally wrestling a slower style, maybe just in contrast to everybody else, but it was so slow that we didn't get to see that much action from pack. Um, so I didn't really think this was a very good match. It's a bit of an adjustment. Like it sounds weird, but
1: it's it's a bit of an adjustment now. of pack going back to playing like underdog babyface. It is a little bit, yeah. Like he's just he's he's just got like that that heel presence that he's just. It's been so synonymous with him for the last three years, and in he this, it still it's like,
0: has it. I mean, it's just more like badass, like kind of like I think he's a better babyface now than you know certainly like um Neville.
1: Uh, certainly, a very different babyface. Yeah. Eddie uh, continues a promo, uh, wishing the announcers goodbye. He does wish Jim Ross a Merry Christmas, but F off to Tony Schiavone. (laughs) Jade Cargill congratulates Brandy. She says, motherhood's a beautiful thing, but it's really convenient that as soon as I show up, you get pregnant. (laughs) Which was quite the line. Good line. Shaq has called out Cody, I've called out Brandy, and I want a worthy opponent. I'm tired of this shit. And she says, time is ticking. There were way too many shits on this show.
0: Well, it is ten thirty by this point. That
1: does not stop them uh regardless of the time slot. This dynamite could be on at two in the afternoon and I think they'd be uh saying <laughs> they're tired of this shit.
0: You get away with what you can on cable, I guess.
1: It uh, is a real crutch for some of the promos. Like to me it's not it, it lacks any kind of pop that, you know, someone swearing should have. It just feels like a hey, we're able
0: to do this, so We'll do it a lot. They need to escalate it. I think we got to introduce some <laughs> other curse words. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's the Eddie Kingston route. Um, <laughs> he'll just start saying like "fuck" and the <laughs> c word and oh go my through God. The, the whole rolodex. Yeah. I was happy to see Jade Cargill finally cut a promo. Uh, number one because she is excellent at it. Like. How did this very very strong delivery? How did this? Woman... And this was
1: a, you know a much more condensed one than the where they sent her out with Cody. So mm-hmm. you know they they put her out there for a long time. The last one. This was you uh, know, but she, her delivery is there. She's
0: I got a very I hear good this presence. and I, I hear this and I wonder how did it take so long between that segment and this for us to finally hear her speak, especially because in that time they've dangled so many loose threads with this woman that I can't keep track of what she's go what's been going on it begged for at least a promo like this for her to tie it all up here i mean you know unfortunately it's too late because brandy is no longer going to be a part of the story but nonetheless i'm glad she addressed it i love the line of saying oh suddenly i'm here and you get pregnant that's awesome heel like a heel a great heel line um did she at least mention nyla and uh she didn't bring up nyla in this promo oh she didn't Okay, never she said mind. she
1: wants a worthy opponent
0: well that's that's too bad. I don't know if she's even involved in that anymore like that whole thing has I think has been handled poorly, but at least she addressed Shaq, so she still seems to be tied to that um who do you think the next opponent is?
1: It's got to be a worthy opponent um it's it, it, they're gonna have to link Brandy with someone to represent her, so I think it's got to be someone with with an attachment to Brandy Resolve or someone it? that stands up for brandy red velvet would be like th- then She's again like there's another person though you have to like kind of introduce to everybody like she did the run-in uh last week um yeah. On but the- again it's like man you're just throwing so many people uh out there like i feel w- like we we are getting into uh you know greek mythology territory here with like all the characters
0: to follow could be swole could be serena deeb you know, uh, although Diva's is champion is Diva, Who's Diva God?
1: What about what about Mel? Remember oh, Mel?
0: Yeah, barely.
1: Like, is that's she... what I'm talking about. Like, there's these characters that like you have not thought about that are there.
0: Is Mel still with. The what Luther. Uh, no, you... right. I I think so. Luther is with um, Serpentico. The... Pe- Serpentico. So not with Mel. Mel is with the. Uh, who was the other person? Yeah, like no, no clue, no clue. I I couldn't yeah.
1: tell you. Shivani is with Miro, Kip Sabian, and Penelope Ford, and Kip says they're gonna. This is gonna be the first wrestling wedding on TNT, which tells me Kip Sabian. Missed out on his David Flair, Stacey Keebler wedding from Nitro in the year 2000. He was probably like five at the time. Well, I would say go back and watch it, but don't. Yeah, fact factual error here. They go to reveal the date, but then the best friend's music plays, and it's a ploy. They all laugh, and we see footage of Trent being loaded into an ambulance, grabbing his arm. Which there was speculation that he might have injured himself last week. And this would, I mean, he was grabbing his arm here. That seems to be the the injury. And Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy leave with him in the ambulance. And we go back and they announce that the wedding will be February 3rd at beach break. The moment that defines this company's history. This wedding.
0: Isn't it a bit early for the beach? I don't think anyone should be going to the beach. In fe- well, sure. But I mean, especially in February February third. I mean that's still winter here. You know?
1: Well, it is Florida, but nonetheless, um, I don't know. Is a beach is is that really something we should be looking at doing in uh six weeks?
0: Well, I yeah, I don't know about that. But you know, uh maybe appropriate that this takes place, place takes place in February because I think this feud has been very cold. They've wasted so much of this Miro debut on video games and other bullshit. Even like that great street fight that the best friends have come off of. I don't think they managed to build on. Um, it feels like it's been going on forever. You know, this this program. So we'll see how they'll handle the wedding. I'm, I'm kind of excited for the wedding.
1: Evil Uno and Dustin Rhodes. Uno immediately blasted Dustin as soon as he entered the ring. Tony gives a whole background on what the seven character was. They're going to the floor. Great strikes from Uno, equally from Dustin. Uno misses and chops the post with his right hand, and Dustin rams the hand into the post several times. They go through the break. Dustin, during the break, hits the code red and a high cross. This guy is just defying age. There's a pile driver to Dustin he kicks out of. Spin kick to the head. This dude was watching Barrow and Eddie Wineland. And Dustin... (laughs) takes this spin kick and comes back with a bulldog. And that's enough. Eight minutes, 29 seconds. I really got into this match. I I thought they had a really
0: strong TV match and one of Evil Uno's better outings. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dustin looked great. Like, who would have thought, like, the chemistry that these two had? But, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, this was a really enjoyable match. Um, You know, I really actually enjoyed the commentary here. You can really tell, like... It, where Tony and Jr. are able to shine is when they're calling wrestlers they have a long history with, and thankfully, it turns out like AEW kind of has several of these characters now. Um, he sounded very authentic in this match. You know, at one point he admits he didn't know that much uh, about Uno, unlike Excalibur. But then, like when talking about like you know Dustin's sort of like renaissance at this point in his in his career, Jr. straight up brought up how, you know, in large part it's due to the man's sobriety. So it was like. I think pretty refreshing commentary. And they finally gave us some background on seven after two weeks.
1: Yeah. It is kind of funny that they have now made like this seven character, like this mark of shame on Dustin Rhodes history, which is what he has literally referred to. Like the black rain character in TNA. Like that is the period he just, he doesn't want to talk about. Uh, I don't know if this seven character is something that he looks upon all that. Uh, I wonder if he even thinks about this seven character, but black rain. That really is the period of his career he just has eliminated.
0: They're both just as obscure, like
1: they are. But but Black Rain had like an actual run. It wasn't just you know Seven was a promo. Mm -hmm. Um, But a, a, a good match here. Uno is on his knees, offering his hand. Dustin is about to shake it, but then he attacks Evil Uno. Stu Grayson jumps him. Lee Johnson, who's in the corner of Dustin, gets involved, and he's attacked. And they hit the nightfall backbreaker onto uh, Dustin. And then QT runs out to fight them off. And Evil Uno hits a big right hand, which they do know was his injured hand. And Johnson goes for a springboard double dropkick, taking Grayson and Uno out of the ring. So uh, several options here of where you can go of like tag program or... Uh, Another Dark Order member, you could do a six-man and Lee Johnson gets like a bit of a spotlight in a six-man. But I think continuing with this with uh, Dustin, QT, the the Nightmare Family with the Dark Order.
0: The spotlight here was put on Lee Johnson. Um, I mean, I think he's the big project in the end of it all. So we'll see what sort of focus and development he gets. Tony Schiavone did a
1: sit-down segment with Sean Spears. And Sean immediately asked Tony... Why did you leave the industry for as long as you did? Sean explains, he too bet on himself. I left New York. You can change the three letters, but not the glass ceiling. He throws away the glove. says, I never needed this. I'm better than 95% of this roster. Getting worked to believe that I'm not good as I am here in this company. And I've been burying myself out of a hole that Tony Khan and Cody put me back in, I guess referring to the chair shot. And Tony asks, Do you think you could be the problem? Sean thinks. Not for a damn second. You're a real piece of shit for saying that. I could work anywhere in the world. And you can tell the executive vice pricks that I'll come back if I feel like it. Good line on the executive vice pricks. Um... It's a good promo from Sean Spears. This is kind of like the um, going a little too inside, but I think this audience kind of enjoys this this kind of stuff. And I think it's uh, not 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 to the extent of some promos that can go too far in, in this direction. But what did you think? This seems to almost be a uh, the latest restart for Sean Spears, mm-hmm. and the man is not wearing a
0: glove. Yeah, I thought it was the right amount of like. I wouldn't even classify this as worked shoot. Because I think, like, you know, him talking about the glass ceiling, like, can just very well be him not getting the right amount of opportunity to, you know, even have a match, even to perform, even in kayfabe. I think it works both ways. Um, I really enjoyed it. He, he sounded great. It was like, it, I thought it was like an, it, it's it may, very much like Chris Daniels. Like It's very much taken a place of where he is in the middle of the card and making a story out of it, where he is clearly... You know, this was to me an admission that in eighteen months he's not exactly successful in AEW. He is very much—I um, don't even know if you classify him as mid card at this point because he barely is even on Dynamite anymore. So it's like he, he
1: had the, he had the wind streak on Dark
0: that was like kind of his thing, and then the the Scorpio Sky thing to me it never really peaked. No, uh, this to me was also an admission that this Black Glove was a failed gimmick. <laughs> um, I think it was stupid. What did they call that? What did they call it? The the loaded thing. What did they call it? Uh, the I, I can't remember. It's the the slug. the slug. Slug. What the fuck? A slug? Yes, <laughs> it's so bad. So, but you know, I like the promo. I I think he's in need of a refresh. I don't know if this is him threatening to quit the company. I I mean, kind of. I hope not because I hope they're able to like turn this into some sort of meaningful feud rather than like a prolonged absence.
1: Dasha spoke with Hikaru Shida who's getting set to face Alex Gracia and is asked about Abaddon who appears and attacks her and there's a pull apart and Shida immediately has to come out for her match. So the match begins. Shida goes to the floor and nails Gracia with a forearm. Uh, There's a charging knee with Gracia draped on the apron and then she spots Abaddon ringside. She goes to attack her and runs Abaddon into the rail and almost gets counted out. And as she... Beats the count, gets rolled up by Gracia for a two count. She holds Gracia awkwardly and then hits this backbreaker, followed by a falcon arrow. Wins the match in 333. And then Abaddon rises up on the floor. They continue to fight. And Abaddon, who I guess we can't confirm or deny might be Shayna Baszler, uh, bit out a chunk of her neck.
0: This is our WrestleMania angle with Becky Lynch. It was, yeah, except done with the person who actually makes sense—like would bite somebody, not a catch wrestler like Shayna Baszler. I thought the spot was awesome. I love the way it was shot with Abaddon's face directly facing the hard camera, like the her makeup, her like contact lenses, like the look is so striking. Like it's just so scary and so creepy for a pro wrestler that it just it just works and biting somebody's neck is exactly the type of fucked up thing you would expect a character like hers to do again not a catch wrestler like Shayna baszler but absolutely perfect with with abaddon they did worked blood here uh again perfect i i thought Dude, this-
1: I, th- I think she bit a bit of nerve did you see all the blood jugular. that was coming out of the side of her neck she needs a transfusion after this
0: yeah bitter jugular it was uh yeah somewhat concerning how bright her blood was but uh i think she did too has shown like growth in in this match i liked her in this match she she showed that she was really no longer afraid of the monster and is willing to fight back was very aggressive here and in, in chasing after abaddon even going in to finish the match and then going back but i have to say like so much of the storyline just begs for vignettes and video packages for both characters Mm. Sheeta, so that we know what's going through her mind like she's going through a a level of growth here in this match that we just kind of have to assume commentary is not really supporting it uh we desperately need more interviews or like just video packages to explain what's going on but especially abaddon that's a character that just begs for production and if you can't afford that production for whatever reason like if you're telling me you can't afford a road to crew, like to spend an hour with her or something like that. Fine. Give her a mouthpiece. Give her a Paul Bearer. Jake Roberts is right there who'd probably be able to cut a hell of a promo for somebody like Abaddon. That that would be quite the pairing. Um
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I didn't I didn't love this. I do enjoy the Abaddon character a lot. It's uh I, I just feel like the women's division right now, it just seems that it is It is open for whatever ideas, like what is going to stick. And I think that they are condensed into this same segment every week. And it's, this was also for me late in the show where there was so many segments and angles on this show. Like it just felt like tonight they crammed so much into the show that this just felt like something that we had to squeeze in before we could get to the main event. It was just, it was a lot of angles tonight.
0: Um, I mean, it's, it's a mess that they're trying to get to next week. So maybe f- for that reason, it- this was the go home s-
1: angle. Yes, the the neck is uh, healed, and we'll have the match next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I liked it. This was like the- kind of like the comic book element of-, of pro wrestling that I could really enjoy, especially when it's a character as like well done as Abaddon. Um, but
1: yeah, Listen, I'm not like again, like it's it's not always my cup of tea, but um, I I definitely could see like there were people that. Really enjoyed that that Fiend stuff on Sunday, and if there's an audience that gets into that stuff, then you should be trying it, and Abaddon is a cool character. Like, that is the character you're going to do more of that outrageous stuff with.
0: Yeah, like, the Bray Wyatt character definitely maybe it trends more towards, like, off-the-wall, corny, almost laughable. Like, this I didn't think was laughable. I mean, I thought it was, like, you know, like, well-done horror as opposed to a campy horror.
1: Next week, uh, December 30th, the last Dynamite of the year, it's Kenny Omega, Ray Phoenix for the title, John Moxley returns, Sheeta versus Abaddon for the women's title, and Jake Hager versus Wardlow. So probably several more announcements will be made over the week as they tend to be just loading up their announcements by the time Wednesday comes around. But Big, big match. Big oh, show.
0: Big show next week. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Big yep, Omega match, big Moxley returns, you have a women's title match.
1: Yeah, the Moxley thing is... Uh, that that's that's a big thing for now ne- for next week after he's been off for over a month, uh about a month. So uh and then they announced Darby Allen and Brian Cage for January sixth, as well as Cody versus Matt Seidel.
0: Yes. What's Snoop Dogg, right?
1: Snoop Dogg will be on January sixth. Next week Jericho's on commentary. Okay. Cool. And the main event the Young Bucks against the acclaimed for the tag titles. Max Caster comes out rapping. Um they're hotter than Topanga.
0: Yeah, what was that? What is that? Was that any sort of special reference? Like, was there? Uh, just if you were a Boy Meets World fan. Like a random hot, like, sort of, like, character from a 90s kid show?
1: Did you watch Boy Meets World? Are oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know okay. Topanga is. I, I think it was just, like, a one-off, like, reference of Topanga. I'm like, okay. okay. There's only one Topanga I'm, I'm aware of. I've never heard that yeah. name outside of a... Uh, uh, Ben Savage's love interest. Yeah. So the, the match begins, they double team, uh, caster, uh, sending him on onto Bowens with a suplex. And the beginning of this match, it was a lot of the bucks just w- with the shine here. Uh, we've got the splash moonsault combo on the floor. Uh, we got a big hot tag from Nick just running wild. Uh, there was a swanton landing on Bowen's knees and then caster, uh, would drop him onto the edge of the apron, we go through the break. Nick is trying to get to the corner. Matt gets yanked off the apron. They're working on Nick's back. Matt would hit the rolling northern lights when he finally got in there on Bowens and applies a sharpshooter. Caster attacks, but Matt holds on to the sharpshooter. Nick pulls him down, applies his own sharpshooter, which they did refer to as the Scorpion Deathlock. Sharpshooter's out. Uh,
0: JR brought up Ricky Choshu here.
1: That's right, that's right. They said the, or the uh as it's known, the Sasori Gatame. Yeah, in Oklahoma. That's, that's yeah. what we called it there in Oklahoma. Mm. So, yeah, we got a Choshi reference. Uh, Nick then does a bunch of super kicks, and the last one he misses and hits Rick Knox by mistake. Castor hits a low blow and they hit him with the boom box, but the ref is out. So, Paul Turner runs in. This is the big near fall. Nick kicks out. The Acclaim then tees an indie Taker, which gets stopped. Bowens uh, is super kicked over to Matt. Who then power bombs Bowens through a table on the floor? Nick then super kicks Caster, BTE trigger, and the Bucks retain in 14 minutes and 47 seconds. A you know, the match that just like built and built and built, and then it had the usual super hot Young
0: Bucks ending
1: in those closing minutes.
0: It was a pretty, like it was a very good match, but I, I would say a very usual Young Bucks match. And I've kind of have seen enough of them recently that to me, this one wasn't all that memorable. I was definitely more curious to see like what the acclaim could bring here. And they were definitely able to keep up, but I can't really say I saw anything out of the ordinary. Like they look like a very capable new tag team, but especially after seeing like a team, as specialist top flight, I felt the acclaim seemed very kind of standard.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I think the two have a ton of potential together. This was a big spotlight for them. And I guess the question becomes now the follow up. like this is it's almost like what they used to do way back like in the in the Bruno days, where it's like you build up the big heel for the program, and then afterwards it's like you kind of phase them down. It's like where do the acclaim just go back to dark? Are they still relevant on the show itself? Like that will be the question is you know when you're trying to feature so many people, it's like they got their title shot. now it's kind of to the back of the line.
0: I think they move on. I think they'd be perfect candidates to like face SCU. You know, maybe be the ones to actually end the team. Um,
1: they, they have the win over them, so that right. would make sense to go back to that match at some point. Like SCU trying to avenge that loss.
0: But I, I, I do feel like we, you know, we're seeing in the acclaimed uh, a team that can be something big, but we're still seeing them in the very early stages of even figuring their, their themselves out, feeling their gimmick out. Like we're still in the infancy. They kind of remind me of the New Age Outlaws. And then you have, like, Max Caster, who is, you know, sort of the road dog of the two. He's the charismatic one, does all the talking. And then you have Bowens, who's more, like, kind of the Billy Gunn of it all. He just needs sort of, like, his own version of, like, you know, if you if you ain't down with that or something. But I think they're an act that can work, but it's still so early. What was the good and bad of AEW tonight? Uh, opening match, for sure. Definitely recommend people to go check out Tough Light versus Jericho and MJF. Um... Tully's promo I thought was great. I liked Hikaru Shida and Abaddon. I like that angle. I I like Jake Cargill's promo. Um, And the main event, main event was a good match, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was bookended by two, you know, strong matches. Um, The opening tag was, was my match of the show. I enjoyed Dustin and Evil Uno quite a bit as well. I just thought, and this is a continual thing with AEW, is just, man, it's like, I took a lot of notes tonight. Like there was a mm-hmm. lot on this show. And I just like, do you remember the Sean Spears promo by the end of this? Do you remember the Jade cargo promo? Like there, like sting felt like it was an afterthought by the end of the show is just segment stacked upon segment. Um, that to me is, you know, it's, it's just, it's,
0: you, you throw a lot at people. How much is going to stick, I guess is the question. It's starting to become like, you know, a pretty popular, like criticism of dynamite. Now, are they doing too much? You know, I think like, especially when you're in the game of like trying to get people not to switch over to the other channel, I can understand why you would pace everything so quickly. There are certain segments where I do feel like they could benefit from breathing a, a little bit more. But for the most part, it's like if the goal is to entertain me and keep me engaged for two hours, it's still a show that does that very well.
1: The The other part, though, to that is that with all the things they're doing, it's not like they're cutting down match time, like with the exception mm-hmm. of the Sheeta match with uh, Gracia, that o- that only had about three minutes. Everything else had time. Like, pretty much, we had four matches that were over ten minutes, two of... Which, uh, like, your main event got fifteen, so it's like, they're not shortchanging. Like, none of these matches I'm watching, it's like, oh, they really got hampered by just there was so much on this show that, you know, Evil Uno and Dustin had eight and a half minutes. There was a break in there, but it was a good enough time for them to have. Like, it was... They're not shortchanging the match time, which is still the predominant focus of the show.
0: Yes. Uh, At this point, let's go to the forum just to get your votes. We're not going to read feedback, unfortunately. It is a bit of a shorter show just so that we can make everybody, uh, give everybody a bit more room to listen to the uh, Christmas show and also because we've had a long day. So uh, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com for the vote. Out of 10, you guys thought this edition of Dynamite was a 7.13. So I believe below average for the year. Yeah, a little bit below,
1: but nonetheless, like, uh, a fine episode. I would definitely recommend uh, the tag matches, especially if you want to check that out. And some good promos on the show, some very good promos, and a great Dusty impression. From Sting, yeah, who would have thought? So that's going to wrap it up. Thank you to everybody for checking this out. The post-wrestling Christmas show drops Thursday, Christmas Eve. Thanks to everybody for checking this out. And Way and I are going to be back on Saturday with a special Rewind a Smackdown, as we'll go through that show. Uh, I want to wish everyone uh, a tremendous holiday, tremendous Christmas, uh, whatever you are celebrating. Tibbs Eve. Eve. Uh, If you're going to get tibbs over the holidays, stay home, don't drive. This is the year to just stay in and do whatever you need to do, um, within reason and within the law.
0: Yes, as always. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. Uh, thank you, everybody, for you know being with us for another year. Like this, also marks probably the last podcast we're going to do as part of this official uh, third. Oh, end, end of third ha- year. Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary, John. Yes, of course. Christmas New Year. Uh, Christmas Eve is is when we be- began this entire project. So we're three years in now. Uh, you know, bigger than ever and happier than ever. So uh, thank you, everybody, for your support.
1: Thank you to all of you uh, for listening and checking this out.
0: And we will speak with you now. Go download The Christmas Show.